You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hey there, my sexy disabled lovers. It's almost Valentine's Day, and my friends, adamandeve.com, want me to let you know that they have some really cool Valentine's Day offers for you. And so I want to let you know all about it right now. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled. Open your box of chocolates, and let me tell you all about it. Free stuff is the best stuff, but free stuff that will ignite your sexy, disabled Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you'll get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself, but it gets even more amazing because they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code, only for Disability After Dark listeners, at checkout, which is DarkPod, that's D-A-R-K, P-O-D at checkout, not only do you get the one item at 50% off, you'll also get 10 free gifts for your Valentine's Day pleasure, and let me tell you all about them. First, you'll get 6 free movies that you can download for your viewing pleasure. You can watch them with a sexy partner on Valentine's Day, or you can eat that box of chocolates and watch them by yourself if you want to, but 6 free movies. That's amazing. I love free movies. That's great. Go ahead and get that. You will also get a free mystery pack that includes an item for penis havers and an item for vulva havers, and it's something I know you'll definitely enjoy. Plus, with all this, you get free shipping, and that's pretty awesome for Valentine's Day. Who doesn't want a free Valentine's Day gift? That's pretty cool, right? So again, if you want to get all this free Valentine's Day stuff, make sure at checkout you use the code DARKPOD. So you go to adamandeve.com and you use the the code DARKPOD. Again, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you will get all of those things. One item for 50% off, the movies, the mystery pack, all that stuff for Valentine's Day, which you can use with a partner or yourself on Valentine's Day. Get that stuff now. D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. DarkPod at checkout at adamandeve.com. Take advantage of it, listeners, right now. Happy Valentine's Day. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. 
Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your host, Drew Gerza, or Daddy Drew Gerza, if you will. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, everybody. First thing is first, I gotta give a major shout out to one of the lovely people that keeps the bright light shining on this program by supporting the Disability After Dark Patreon place. The Patreon, the thing where I take your money and use your money to run the show. So one of those beautiful people that did that that for me this week was my friend Rebecca Dazens and... They are really awesome, and they pledge $5 a month by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and I really, really appreciate that. Their pledge gets them the shows one day early on the super secret Patreon feed, and they get the show completely ad-free. So that's super awesome. And so, Rebecca, you your last name is Daisins, and I like it because it rhymes with raisins. Thank you so much for your support. And if you out there listening want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark or you can leave us a review or you can tweet me and say the show is great or tell your friends and listen to it with them or all those things and that's amazing. Also, if you have applied to be a guest on the show, I need to just make clear that I am the one running all the emails, I am the one running the whole account and sometimes... Because of my disability and because of my brain fog and because we're in the middle of a pandemic that makes time feel really weird, I sometimes forget to get back to people and I forget when I book things and I am sometimes not the greatest scheduler and so if I have forgotten to get a hold of you or we had something scheduled and I forgot and you're listening and you're like, I want to do the show and Andrew never got back to me or Drew never got back to me, um... Hit me up on the email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Be like, yo, man, you forgot to get back to me. Let's be in touch because I do want to have you on. I just run the whole show by myself. So um, please, please let me know when I've fucked up and I will come back to you with huge apologies and we'll go from there. But if you want to pledge to the show, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. But now let's get to the show. On the show today, I sit down with content creator and my friend, disability activist and trans person, trans friend of mine, Aaron and Sweeney. And we've been, I've been trying to get Aaron on the show for like three plus years. We've been been internet friends in the disability space for a long while now. I love what he does. I love all the things he talks about. He bought a disabled people are hot shirt back when I had that campaign running. Really, really great guy. Somebody that, I, that I've just admired in the space. And I wanted to just sit down with him for an hour and just have a chat. That's literally... The, when I pitched it to him, I was like, I want to just talk to you. And, like, we've been... Seriously, we've been trying to get a hold of each other for the last three plus years. And we finally did. And I'm so excited to tell you what we talked about. On the show, we talk about um, his experience with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome his experience with gastroparesis, his experience with prosthetic penises, his experience with guilt, intimacy, and disability, 
how we both feel about the disability community sometimes. We talk about that too. There's a whole lot to uncover here. I find him really funny. His humor was really wry. Um, I really think he's a powerful voice within the disability space. And I was really, really lucky and pleased to have him on the show. So, without further ado and without any more rambling, I'm going to introduce you now to my friend, YouTube content creator and awesome trans person, Aaron and Sweeney, right now on Disability After Dark. Aaron and Sweeney, hello! Hi, hello, how's it going? Good, it's so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. You and I have been planning this sit-down for I'm pretty sure like three Decembers. We yeah. <laughs> try like every time around this year to do this and to finally sit down and do this. I'm so happy we're finally doing it. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor. I'm excited. And you're wearing my old merch. You're wearing my Disabled sure People Are Hot shirt, which feels, that feels like ages ago and from a century ago when the world was different and it was cool to have shirts. And now it just feels, but awesome that you're wearing that. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, it's one of my favorite shirts. It's, I mean, it was maybe a pretty cool dude, me. So, I, know, I, I know that guy. Yeah, I don't I mean, want to brag, but I know pretty, him. He's pretty cool. He's pretty good. Um, <laughs> enough. Of, so can you, um, <laughs> also what the audience can't see is Aaron has a giant <laughs> water bottle on his desk right now. It's the biggest water bottle I've ever seen. It and is a, it is a full a, gallon of it's water. It's like a mammoth. Like, I would have anxiety over trying to drink that much water in a day. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. It's too much. I have a, I have a postural orthostatic tachycardia as a comorbidity to everything else. And so I have to drink a lot of water and, and salt to keep my blood pressure up. So, so wait, with all you... anxiety, I would have a lot of, I'd have high blood pressure, but no, somehow. Well, that's a plus. <laughs> um, and since we're jumping right into all the disabilities that you have in your life, can you introduce yourself to us, tell us a little bit about who you are and how your disabilities play a role in your day-to-day. Sure. So uh, I'm Aaron Ann Sweeney. I'm um, a content creator and uh, also studying to be an art teacher. It's not super relevant, but it's just that's what I do. Um, I have a lot of different disabilities and I, I tend to feel guilty when I start listing them for some reason. I don't know why. I feel no like it's just... Guilt needed. You're totally allowed to list all the, all the things. It feels like it's it's one of those things that's like this is this is long we get it but it's just it's a lot of a lot of differences so I have um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and um, quite a few comorbidities that the main ones being you know postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and um, gastroparesis but there are, there are a couple little little doozies in there um, and I'm also um, on the autism spectrum mostly I'm mentioning that because I'm a little weird to uh, have conversations with so for all our all our listeners out there hey. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> thanks for thanks for getting it. So yeah. <laughs> it's cool. I've I have friends on the spectrum and I have people in my life that are on the spectrum too. So I understand that it's I don't think it's weird. I think it's cool. And I think we need to be talking more about autism in a way that isn't super Hell gross yeah. and ableist. So Yeah, cool. that's the thing. I'm like, I don't find I, I like myself the way that I am I, I find I, I've recently uh, decided that the 11th doctor from doctor who is autistic um, and you know what I decide is law apparently so I just you know I, I've, I've been projecting a lot of my quirks onto him and I'm like well if he's lovable and great then I mean it why is it bad when I do it so that's that's been uh, that's been a big help so. I mean I think 
who is the eleventh Doctor? I'm not a who. I'm not a big Who follower. So I don't know. Uh, Matt Smith, the um, oh yeah, Prince, 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 um, Philip, in the uh, Crown. Maybe I don't. I don't watch that that many shows. What know, you need the, to watch the Crown because Matt Smith is an attractive person. I've um, never heard of that show. What? Well, it's so good. Netflix. It's amazing. It's it's quarantine. You need to sit down and watch Claire Foy and Matt Smith be the play the Queen and play the King of England, and it's really good. See, like, not to be like tangential, t- t- tangent, not to go off on a tangent as I tend oh, to do. Oh, you're but, allowed to do uh, that. Go right ahead. Uh, fantastic. So the thing about, I'm like, quarantine, great. I'm going to watch all those shows I always wanted to watch. And then I was like, or maybe I'll watch Avatar another 17 or 18 times. So I tend to just keep rewatching the same shows. And then when they're over, I want to watch a new show. And then I turned on, and I'm like, this isn't Avatar. So um, <laughs> I'm going to try and watch The Crown in between all of my other shows. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit dry and it's i mean it does take a while to get into but it's it i mean if you if you want to watch british people playing other british people from the past then 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 that's i mean you that's great that's my favorite it's a very very meta yeah yeah i'm like i just think it's a great show but you were talking about a second ago you were talking about tangents <laughs> and there was something i wanted to say and then my brain was like i don't know what i'm gonna i had something there that i was like yeah let's talk about this and i forget um, but so, so if you could, could you list all your disabilities for us? Sure. Well, mostly it's the, the ones that I mentioned, um, within that there are like other neurological conditions, I guess, and like neurodivergences, uh, like uh, autism spectrum disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder, but they, they tend to all kind of go into each other. Similarly with, um, with EDS, there's one one comorbidity that I'm still waiting to get test results for, um, uh, MMAC, I don't even know what it's, what it stands for, mass, uh, cell, mass activation cell something. So one of, one no, of those. I've heard about that a lot. I've yeah. Heard about that a lot. That's, it's more like a lot of this is kind of all part of the same thing, but gets diagnosed kind of separately. And there's something with, um, my, autonomic nervous system i don't it's the one where they put little they put little things on you and and they they shoot little neurotransmitters that make you are supposed to make you sweat and then they monitor if you sweat and then they turn them off and monitor if you stop so so i don't know what that is but that one uh came back abnormal and so i don't (laughs) i'm really not um good with keeping up with my own stuff which i should be better at but eventually i was like okay i get it it's (laughs) uh a multi-systemic connective tissue disorder so that's kind of just how I view instead of all these separate things like you know like heart issues and like kidney issues and liver issues I'm kind of like take it up with my cells they're just they're (laughs) they're having a rough time what they are yeah like so so to kind of get into more of like a personal level how does all of that like affect you let's say your day to day oh uh well I sorry um I also have asthma but that's not uh, fun yeah i'm just sorry if i'm breathing into everyone's ears sometimes i you know feel like i have one lung but it's fine you're not but it's you're not but you're good you're good good thank you um i have uh yes so my everyday life um i'm an ambulatory wheelchair user so that means i have a, a limited ability and wavering ability to walk so sometimes i'll be able to walk around my house and sometimes i won't be able to walk around my house at all so i have to use my chair and 
almost all the time that I'm outside my house, I need to be using my wheelchair. It gets a little um, more every year, I guess. It's uh, it, it's kind of it's not supposed to be something that gets um, what's the word I'm looking for? Something that changes with it. degenerative, progressive. Yeah, progressive? that's right. Yeah, it's not technically supposed to be, but it is. I don't like. I don't. Again, I should probably know more details about my own condition, but it's can it's still considered so rare, even though it's more like, well, you should probably test for it more often. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it has been getting significantly worse as I get older. So there's that. Um, Fun, and you're like yeah. you're in your well, late twenties, right? Yeah, I'm in my my twenties. So it 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 causes um, the reason why I have to use a wheelchair oftentimes is because it my joints are unstable. Yeah, <laughs> unstable. Um, but uh, so it, I have a lot of dislocations and subluxations. So um, my joints don't stay together. My my muscles have to overcompensate for them. But you know, muscles can only stay flexed for like you know, it's like try to hold your arms out or try to hold a glass of water, and you could do it for a little bit before your muscles can't anymore. Like they just can only fire a limited number of times. So we're going to get into boring science stuff. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I'm here for that. I'm, I'm totally here to listen to you. Tell me all about your connective tissue disorder. Yeah. My connective tissue issues, my connective t- Well, it's already tissue, tissue, but I was going to combine those words and they're already combined. So you know what? It was fate. So close. <laughs> oh my God. You're such a nerd. And I'm here for every second of it. It's great. Um, um, so like, other than you being an ambulatory wheelchair user, what other ways does your disability play a role in your just your day uh well it it also impacts um how i could eat so uh because i have gastroparesis um which also gets worse kind of randomly i um could only eat usually i know that technically uh what you're told to do is eat a lot of small meals throughout the day but what actually happens is because that overlaps with um postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome which is basically my body so my, my blood vessels can't um constrict enough to get the blood all the way up in my body so i i'll pass out or it's just not a great time so because of that um my body will have to allocate blood to my digestive system if i eat meaning that i absolutely can't like i cannot stand up even if i don't have joint pain so um because of that i only eat like once a day at night kind of like a bear about to hibernate so uh <laughs> that's an interesting thing which is also fun because you know like my my hot hot nightlife where i'm eating snacks uh at night in bed so i mean <laughs> you know being that we're both queer right we are yes. yeah being that we're both queer you know hearing you say bear you don't look like a bear in any estimation but i support that i'm, I'm working on it i'm working on fitting the I, i'm i try and i try and manifest my body hair into existence but so far i mean i mean you can you're you can be a bear in training yeah, I'm a cub. Yeah, I'm <laughs> all right with that. I support that wholeheartedly. Um, one of the things you said in your form that really kind of drew me into wanting to talk to you, I and mean, I wanted to talk to you forever, but when I got your form, I was like, wow, there are so many things here that I want to talk about. And one of the things that I kind of immediately was drawn to in, to, in reading your form was you wanted to talk about guilt and guilt around navigating your own guilt in the bedroom as a partner, as well as any guilt of any partners you have. Uh, Can you explore that with us? Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't tell if you asked how many partners I have. Oh, I don't know. I'll repeat the question, sorry. I asked, uh, you know, you want to talk about guilt 
within mm-hmm. yourself as a, as a sexual partner and then any guilt that your partners may have can you explore yes. like yeah both of those things and why like because i don't think we talk enough about guilt in terms of sex and disability and that's a pretty big one that all of us experience we just often don't have language for it so as soon yeah. as you wrote that down it's like your second point i was like yes amazing let's talk about that so can you share how guilt impacts your queerness your sexuality and your disability with yourself and with partners yeah absolutely so with myself so i'm trying to figure out how to approach this first with my with my partners i feel um like they might sometimes feel so there's a lot of guilt involved so i never know how to start it i'm always kind of in the middle of a sentence and never at the beginning or the end of one so this it's good but i feel (laughs) um because my body tends to be quite delicate um it makes things a little um kind of guilt-ridden in bed so sometimes if you know getting injured is just part of my regular existence it's not because something extraordinary happened i will just experience a dislocation because I, you know, I exist, but, um, you know, when you're in the bedroom, um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's someone around you and on top of you, or you are on top of them. There's a lot of, you know, shifting and pressure in the body. And so that triggers a, a lot of dislocations and subluxations. And so I feel like sometimes that'll lead to guilt on my partner's end where they'll feel like, oh no, I hurt you, but surprise, I'm always hurt. Um, and so that could sometimes feel like a disconnect because it's almost like, although I appreciate the concern, sometimes it could almost feel like my disability doesn't have a place in my intimate life because it's, you know, not saying you're supposed to get hurt during sex. You know, you probably aren't, but it's just- Sometimes it's, you are, um, sometimes you are. <laughs> you know what? I You you are correct, actually. Listen, I'm, I'm choke so... me, daddy. I'm here for that. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I have no problem. Like I, you know, and I talk a lot about, about pain with people on the show and uh, how pain can- be transmitted into something really hot. And I, when I'm with the sex workers that I fuck, you know, pre-pandemic, I would have no problem with them being like, can I put my hand on your throat and press for a minute? Like, yeah, sure. So like, I, I think like pain, not all pain, but some pain can be really transformative. Yeah. Pain pain that's been uh, not exactly planned for, but that's, you know, consensual and like everyone's aware of what's going on, but with the spontaneous nature of the dislocations and, you know, I guess that it's, it's not pleasurable on my end to have the pain. It ends up being this like, Oh no, but it's like, it's fine. Don't worry. We can continue. But it it sometimes functions as this like abrupt halt to things. And I'm, that's where that, that guilt comes in because then it's like, I guess, I I guess it kind of, you know, it, it kills the mood sometimes not because, um, we wanted to but kind of just because it's not you never see disability talked about when you learn about sex sex ed is already very limited but um i've never been in an educational setting where i'm being taught about both of those things and so to have them coexist like that it's just this oftentimes it feels almost like this impossibility that you like like you have to invent it into reality you know yeah um so that's been tough and then with myself I feel a lot of guilt because again I'll feel kind of like maybe my partner has to do more work because I'm not able to perform in bed the way that is expected because again we only see this one way of being sexual um and so that causes some guilt on um on my end and then that starts to kind of compound with like trans guilt also I'm trans I I don't remember (laughs) I don't remember if I said that um 
I was assigned female at birth and transitioned to male, but I identify as male and non-binary at the same time, because not because I like to annoy people. Somehow it annoys people. I don't know why. It's just because I- It shouldn't annoy people. It's your own- Yeah, it's just, you could, two things could be true at once. I could be male and I could be extra. There's just, it's it's like you could have a, you could have ice cream and you could have a cherry on top. I mean, mean, you can pop that cherry if you're not an asshole, but if you're an asshole, then you don't get to pop that cherry. Yeah. So I don't think you mentioned that, but I will in the intro when we, before they hear you, but, but um, uh, there's so many things about guilt that I want to explore. Like what, so what is that guilt? What does that guilt feel like for you personally? Like, how do you, like, how do you navigate the feeling of like, oh, I'm so much work and I don't know how to do, like, I don't know what my partner's going to feel. Like, how do you, how does that feeling of guilt, first of all, how does it manifest for you? So like, what do you do when you feel that? And then is there anything you can do to work through the guilt or is it just something you have to live with uh well so far um my my initial approach was to internalize the guilt which is great except it's not actually great it's uh, (laughs) kind of holds hands with that internalized ableism i have toward myself so it's not fantastic um i've recently tried to approach it by just like talking openly about it with my partner and like the way that i'm feeling and um Honestly, some of it is just like I've had to learn to be okay with myself. Um, I, I want to say first, but I'm like, there's not really an order that needs to happen. And but like, I've just learned that I could, I can navigate my own body. And so like, if I'm able to, you know, pleasure myself, then there's no reason why this should be an obstacle with a partner, you know? Um, so it's just kind of, I guess, untangling all of that and understanding if these feelings come from something that's been imposed socially onto my idea of what's going on, or if it's something that's actually caused by the reality of the situation. So I'm just, I'm realizing a lot of it has to do with just, you know, the same way that I feel dysphoric a lot. Um, When I'm being intimate, it'll have to do not with my actual body or anything, you know, being like my body is a bad body because it's not cis. It's not that it's just that, I'm expected to have this body and perform in this way and I'm not performing in that way. But that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, it's not a straight line where you have to meet a certain mark. It's just a a different experience. Yeah. And that can be hard because there are so few, there are so few resources and landmarks out there that tell us that it's okay to have a different body, whether it's, whether we're talking about transness or disability or both of them together, there's no one saying, oh yeah, this is okay. They're saying one part of this is okay. The other part's really not. Like you can be trans, that's fine. But how, how dare you be trans and anything? Yeah, that's it. It's almost like it, it occupies too much space. Cause the interesting thing is um, everyone has all of these identities. Like if I if I would introduce myself and be like, you know, I'm, I'm trans, I'm disabled, I'm autistic, I'm you know, I'm asexual, which is going to get complicated, but that's fine. We'll get to that. Um, you know, sometimes people tend to be sort of annoyed by that because like that's too many things. But it's like, okay, but you're you're cis, you're abled, you are white. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. You are, yeah, you're white. You're allosexual, which means you know not asexual. You are allistic, meaning you're not autistic. So like you have the same amount of identities as I do. The difference is that you don't have to. Everyone just assumes the right thing of you because you are what is, you know, seen as like the, the model. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't have to specify all these things if it weren't assumed that I were 
you know, one by default, if that makes sense. Um, you know, like you wouldn't have to come out if it weren't expected that you were heterosexual, if there, if there weren't like a default norm, yeah. you know? So yeah, that's, that's kind of helped me not feel as bad about um, being so complicated because I'm not I mean, actually complicated. I mean, I mean, I just think it's, it's interesting how you like, in the in the first 20 minutes of the interview, you've said how complicated you are and I, like, I like, which leads me into like, you mentioned earlier, you have a lot of internalized ableism. Like, how do you, oh, yeah. how do you, how do you, what kind of, first of all, how does the internalized ableism manifest for you? Obviously, I can tell it manifests in like the humor part, but also like, oh my God, don't hate me. I'm so cool and I'm great. Like, yes. Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of self-deprecating humor. Um, I see, I, I do this fun thing. I go on like a lot of anxiety spirals. Like I tend to... Um, not understand how people tolerate me but that's it has a lot to do with just that that's how my internalized ableism and transphobia just beats me up that's it it just sort of i get convinced that i'm really difficult to care for or care about or be around um and so it's just a lot of conscious work to remind myself that like even if it's not even like well you're not hard to love it's more like even if you were hard to love it's it's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, it's fine. Cause if I try to convince myself that I'm not hard to love, then I'm going to wake up and suddenly like, wake up to a thesis presentation with my brain outside of me, <laughs> explaining to me point by point why I am actually difficult to love. So I'm kind of trying to be like, you know what, even if I were, who cares? It's fine. So. I mean, it is fine. Yeah. Um, so how, so like, what do you do other than, other than like, a lot of the internal work, like or or so. Like, what is some of that internal work that you do to to keep the ableism and the 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 like voices that tell you that you're not good enough away? Hmm. Um. It's a good question. I tend to do things that make me feel good, if that makes sense. So, um, things that don't require validation from anyone outside of myself. So if it, sometimes it'll be like, I'll make art and making art makes me feel good, not just because of self-expression, because it just reminds me of the things that I value about myself. Um, and that has been very interesting because as, again, I've gotten older and things have gotten harder, I, I've lost a lot of my ability to make art the way I used to. Um, I, I'm a musician. So I, like for context, I taught myself how to play piano. Um, we had this decorative Anyway, my mom found this like upright piano outside one day and brought it home. Um, oh, so I cool. taught, my, yeah, it's very cool. My dad's a music teacher, but he had like a keyboard, like an electric keyboard. So I never really got to use it. Um, yeah. But this decorative piano is just, you know, it's a regular, you press it and sound comes out as it wasn't digital. So I taught myself how to play piano before I was able to uh, speak or walk. So that was, it was very, um, it was a really important part of myself. Um, and I always felt like I was able to, work through things when playing piano or playing music in general because I learned a lot of other instruments um, that I couldn't do verbally. So I, 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 have, um, I have selective mutism. I don't know how to <laughs> explain that, but it's sometimes um, I just can't really verbalize. And it's not that it's not because of like a difficulty verbalizing. It's just that I don't, I don't think in words sometimes and it'll get to a point where there have been times where I don't know if it's sensory overload, I don't know what it is, but someone will talk to me and I, I don't process it as language. 
and English sounds kind of like a like if a golden retriever tried to talk. That's what it's when English doesn't sound like words. That's what it sounds like to me. So, oh, um, wow. yeah, it's it's a I don't I never really know how to explain that stuff. But um, I've lost most of my ability to play piano because I my fingers dislocate um, pretty much instantly <laughs> upon pressure. So that's been tough, but in a good way, um, it's taught me to appreciate myself as an artist in more profound ways. So it's not really about performance, but about the fact that I guess the way that I think and the way that I view and experience things. So I, I don't, I really know how to, how to explain that, but it's just, um, being an artist goes beyond the art itself. It, it there's been a lot of reflecting there. So, but that's, that's yeah. how I work through my feelings through, through art making, however. And I, I mean, it, it allows you to also like own the fact that you're a disabled artist and a trans artist and all these identities can also be put into your art. Yeah. And since I've worked through that barrier of thinking that like to be an artist means you must be able to perform, um, it's that's when art started to actually feel good in a different way where it really didn't matter about, you know, the performance aspect was gone. So it was just making art now really is just a way to um, clear my mind. Words are very, they, they clutter. <laughs> They're like little Tetris blocks and they stack up until they touch the ceiling and then there's no room to think. So I, making art however I can or engaging with art any way I can um, kind of clears away those blocks. And so I have all that space to kind of just think in a way that's more fluid for me. And so that's where I get to work through how I'm feeling and, and regain, um, I guess, like feelings of self-value and work through that like internalized hatred of myself. So, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, now, now I keep picturing every word that we say is like a Tetris block. So that's <laughs> cool. But yeah. also like, I think, you know, a lot of us use art. Like I use this podcast as a huge therapy thing. I have feelings. I'm going to make a show about it right now. So like, I totally get it. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of disabled people who use art and music to like, to just to feel better to feel good yeah I, I don't it's so hard to explain why but <laughs> it just works well because I think it takes I think it takes us away from from our from what we're expected art can be whatever you want it to be art has no art has no form and no requirements whereas to be a human to be accepted yeah. in society has so many requirements and Absolutely. so I can, as a disabled person who has often been shunned by society, I totally understand that feeling. Yeah. You know what? That was, that was beautifully explained. That is very much what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, I completely feel that for sure. Um, talk to me about one of the things I also love about you that you wrote in the forum that I think is really valuable to talk through is normativity and performance and you said the pressure mm. to perform intimately and the ways that are the things that are expected of you as quote a man makes mm. it really challenging and then the combination of transness and disability for you can you kind of explore that with us sure so it's it's a lot all at once to like i'm like i don't even know where to start but um so there are kind of expectations of uh what sex and intimacy is and what it could be and what what counts I guess like what counts as sex. so you know like 
this whole idea of like, did you go all the way? But it's like, what, uh, who is qualified? Is there a referee involved? Cause I just yeah, who <laughs> decided that this is what I have to do to make it sex. Yeah. That's the thing. So it's like, you know, like, for example, like, you know, oral sex, it's like, well, that doesn't count as full sex. So what like diet I used sex. To play that, like, I used to play that game all the time with, with dudes and with my friend afterwards, they'd be like, well, did you fuck? And I'd be like, no, we blew each other for like an hour. And that was fun. And they're like, oh, that's not sex. And you're okay. And so like, I remember being so proud that I didn't have sex, but I just had oral. I was like, good for me. And it's like, no, you no, silly. You like, you definitely had sex. Like, and now, like, as I've grown into my disabled experience, realizing that receiving anal for me is like hard and not really possible for my body. Like now I'll look at a blowjob and be like, yeah, we totally fucked. And I'll use fuck in a very liberal, like, yeah, we fucked around. That's the thing. I try to like, I'm trying. I don't do a very good job. I'm trying to get better at not um, cursing. You could curse. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to, because I know that some people have expressed that it's off-putting for them. Um, so I'm like, okay, I get it. I'll try. Oh my to- God. No, I totally want you to say fuck. <laughs> I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear why people think it's off putting. Why? I, I th- like that. It's um. It takes away from the educational aspect of the content. I'm like, but here's the thing. Similarly to how the word queer feels very um, it feels flexible. I like it because it could be a lot of things, and so yeah. I could use it wherever there's a word missing for what I'm trying to express. I could throw that in there, right? It, it's great. Um, that's how I feel about that word. Um, in terms of like intimacy, because nobody's going to you know, talking about sex in such a medicalized way where it's like, I had a penetrative intimate encounter with my partner vaginally. Like, it's just, who talks like that? Yeah. So it's just easier to use these euphemisms that we have for intimacy. Um, and so I, I agree with you uh, on that. I, and I mean, there's a part of me as a disabled person that feels very proud to be able to say, I fucked, no, 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 or like I did this because like that yeah. language was historically not given to us as language we were allowed to use. Yeah, like, exactly. We've been told in many different parts of our lives that you're not allowed to swear, you're not allowed to be, like, you're not allowed to, that's a dirty word, like, don't say that. And, like, even as a, even as disabled adults, that language has been removed from, from us. So when I yeah. say fuck, I, I use it in many different ways because it's like, no, I'm taking my power back. That's it. it. Exactly. I'm like, I find it a very empowering word. I love watching others use it. It's my own, my limitation is the like, I'm shackled to an institution. And so I have to uh, kind of bend in some ways to what they want. Um, so that they don't see it as sort of like, you know, it's, there's, there's already so much, um, I feel like being queer in general and being, you know, read as male, but just being queer in general, um, you tend to be perceived as predatory around any sort of youngsters, no matter what you're doing, as if like to be heterosexual and to have, you know, I see like cishets shipping heterosexual kids all the time. A three-year-old could be holding hands with another three-year-old, but if it's a girl and a boy, it's like, oh, so cute, they're going to get married. But if a three-year-old boy holds hands with a three-year-old boy and you say cute, they're going to get married, then suddenly you're predatory. So I have to be so careful with the language that I use when you know getting into like sex educating um kind of just as a like protection i guess if that makes sense but i it's it is frustrating because then as a disabled person i'm like i want to use this word because i you like you said it's a word that's been we've been deprived of that language for so long i there's 
there was one tweet, I think uh, it was Coffee Spoonie, and I, I think I'm, disclaimer, I'm going to swear, but it's fine because I'm quoting someone, doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> she tweeted um, something like, disabled people fuck, something really, really like just like an obvious statement, but it was just so like, yeah, she fucks, get over it. <laughs> like, how is that so controversial? And um, I'm seeing it a lot with, uh, see, doctors are a little, they're, they're sometimes they're not great. Uh, I know someone else with my condition who um, he has a, <clears throat> he has a tube because he has a gastroparesis. I forgot what it's called when he goes straight into the stomach. Um, I don't remember. A G- uh not a g-tube j-tube i'm like it's it's one of those but essentially a tube that goes into his stomach and yeah i it's not the first time i've heard of this that doctors like you, you know you ask them all these questions but as soon as you ask them about sex they're like well you shouldn't even be thinking about that it's like why why shouldn't i be thinking why do you just assume is it i don't understand if it's is it a mix of like infantilizing us or objectifying us like as these little things you put on a shelf and you polish it's not i mean i would you know i'd want to immediately jump on that train with you and be like yeah they're assholes but having talked to a few doctors since having doing the show and dealing with some doctors of my own and just point blank asking them like what's the deal with how how why 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 does it make you so nervous they all go because we don't have the education either and if we tell you not to think about it then we don't have to think about it because nobody educated us so yeah i'm not saying that all doctors are great either i'm just saying like there's such a gap in their education process too that like of course they would yeah. tell you not to think about it because they don't know what to tell you yeah precisely that's um, i was why i was trying to find a good adjective to describe like doctors can be you know I don't know, difficult. It's just, it's so hard to navigate those conversations with them because they're really, um, they tend to protest a lot to it. Um, but it makes sense, of course, that they don't have education because when it comes to trans stuff, it's very, very similar where it's like, hey, I'm having trouble with my uterus. And like, oh, just actually throw it out the window. I'm like, you know, would love to, can't. So need it. <laughs> yeah, I will. I do in fact need it and can't really have surgery right now. So what do we do? And they just, they just don't know. <laughs> or like, I, you know, I have to get pap tests and then they were coming back abnormal and they couldn't figure out why until eventually they were like, oh, the it's because you're on testosterone. I'm like, well, of course, is that what you were checking for? The abnormality was my hormone levels. Mm, I have some news for you. So sometimes it just comes down to like, nobody's taught them and there's just not a lot of research for them to go off of when they're in when they were in med school so yeah yeah because they were in med school like 20 years ago presumably and so like with trans wasn't a conversation 20 years ago I mean it was but it wasn't it wasn't as like readily available as it is now which is even to say that it's not even available enough now but like when they went to school there was no discussion of that plus disability like has never been seen as something we can talk about. So when you put those two things together in the doctor's office, it's probably exhausting. Yeah. But like, this is where I get confused about the, like, is it an infantilizing thing or like a, like a, we're seeing this kind of medical objects thing, because then it goes to like, like on an institutional level, like now as someone studying to be a teacher, I'm seeing like, I'm seeing why so many teachers that I, I have encountered have are just rampantly ableist like it's that i i am fully comfortable and confident saying a lot of teachers are ableist because they are actually 
taught to be. Um, I'm taking, I've taken some classes that I'm like, oh no, that that's bad. We don't want to teach that to people that we should not be teaching that at all. Um, Can you give then, me an example of like the ableist <clears throat> things you just said to you? Oh yeah, it's been, um, hmm, how do I put this? Uh, I'm trying to put it in a way where it's going to be vague enough that no one could possibly know what I'm talking about. Um, well, there's, so, okay. There's still a lot of talk about like segregating students based on their um, abilities, which is, it's like they, they, they teeter off of the deep end because there's the like, not we shouldn't segregate students. We should absolutely have resources and programs to support students and offer additional scaffolding, but we shouldn't be just isolating them all on their own and saying we fix the problem. Like what the problem is that the actual structure of, you know, the education system itself is structured in a way to serve a certain type of student. And so instead of positioning students with, you know, like learning disabilities or physical disabilities as a problem, you need to be positioning the curriculum itself as a problem because it needs to be broadened and be more accessible and be, you know, informed by more than one type of experience. Um, so that's, I'm wondering when it comes to disability in the medical system, if it's like, what, what is it that drives that, you know, like, why is it that we're not seen or considered for having all these other experiences, you know, where it's like, if a cis guy walks into um, a doctor's office and, you know, has whatever, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, but basically like a cis able-bodied dude goes into an office, gets whichever medication, he'll probably be warned about like side effects that would have to do with, you know, erectile dysfunction or like anything to involving sex. But like my doctors won't tell me anything, not that I'll have erectile dysfunction, but it, there's just never a thought. And when I try to bring up sex is kind of this, like, well, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. It's like, why wouldn't I worry about that though? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a regular question to ask. And like, maybe you want to worry about that. Like maybe you want to have a moment with your doctor. Where like, yeah, I do worry about that doc. Yeah. Because you're disabled and because you're trans, they'd have no script for you. Yeah, I think that they think if they look below the belt, it's going to be like looking into a time vortex. Like it'll just sort of like opening Pandora's box. It's just cool. <laughs> if your genitals were a time vortex, I'm here for that. Can that be like a, can somebody make that a story, please? Can we, can there be a book? I'd read that. Every doctor who's ever looked into it has gone missing. You can't, it's too risky. It's like, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the Berputa triangle. There you go. Possibly. I don't know very much yeah. about i was trying to make a weird like bermuda triangle sex joke and i don't know if it landed all right good <laughs> this is where the i i also a lot of things go over my head part of that i'm like is it because i'm asexual or is it because i don't i don't get a lot of humor i don't really know um but it's fun for everyone let's go to the let's go to the asexual <laughs> part for a bit because i i do have uh i am confused and i would like to be educated if you don't mind so yeah, sure. I know what being asexual is, mm -hmm. and I know that that means like no sexual attraction for you. Mm -hmm. But then earlier you were talking about having sex. How do, like, how do those two things for you play out? Yeah, so that's, I always love this. Um, so sex could be a lot of different things, um, and you could get things out of it that are different. So um, for me, it's a mix of, you know, there's a physical closeness with my partner that I um enjoy also sorry I keep clutching my my chest it's my I get I make a lot of sounds because of gastroparesis so I try to not um 
make sounds into the microphone. That's then, cool. You can make like sounds. I'm, like I'm digesting the listeners. This is mm. a disability. This <laughs> is a disability podcast. You can make all the sounds you need to. It's fine. Great. So, um, yeah, part of it is it has to do with just um, intimacy, like closeness with my partner, even if I'm not getting much like sexy stuff out of it. But um, not that you need to get something out of it, but you get what I'm saying, how it's rewarding to each different person. Yeah. Um, how it is rewarding to me in like a physical way is um, it's often gender affirming for me. So um, for example, sometimes when I'm feeling up to it, I could use a prosthetic. Sometimes I do not because it takes like seven business days of processing to, you have to get the prosthetic, you have to find it, you have to find the actual harness. It's just, it's, there are a lot of steps involved. By the time I get back, my girlfriend's had like another birthday. We have kids, I don't know where they came from. So sometimes I don't always use a prosthetic, <laughs> you know, for, for time's sake. <laughs> But, um, you know, when I do use one, it's very gender affirming because I get to connect to a part of my body that I feel is missing oftentimes. Um, so that's, that's something that I, I enjoy uh, from sex, even though I still don't feel sexual attraction. And um, yeah. So it's more about the journey of becoming who you are than like, I'm going to fuck my partner. It'll be so hot. It's more like, yeah, I'm going to find my partner to be hot, but also I get to be who I am. Yeah, it's it's more like um, I get to use this prosthetic, which is pretty cool. And so that makes me feel, uh, you know, for a moment, because like I'll, there are prosthetics you could use to like stand to pee, but um, they just don't feel uh, as connected, I guess. It, it feels a lot more like I'm using a funnel, especially because immediately after I use it, I have to disconnect, clean it, clean myself. So there's not that... Um, constant they can go like yeah there's not a constant back and forth between the prosthetic and myself i guess that makes them feel like one they definitely yeah. feel disconnected but when i use a sex prosthetic there's this entire experience where it's an extension of me um and so that's been extraordinarily validating in terms of like um like bottom dysphoria and stuff like that so yeah it's less like this is gonna be hot and more like nice this is attached to me dysphoria who he doesn't go here how so. do you how do you connect um how do you connect disability to the prosthetic like is there any connection between your experience of because when i hear prosthetic as a disabled cis person i think of like a leg prosthetic or an arm prosthetic i don't uh, but of course for you I, uh, when you said it i knew what you meant but for a minute when yeah. i was reading your form i was like oh does he have like a limb that missing that I don't know about. And then you talk about how you feel like you're missing something. So do you feel in a way as a trans person that you're missing? Like, are you, do you feel like you, you missed out on having a dick or like, is it? Yeah. I feel like it's such a, like I, it's sometimes I feel like it's a controversial topic because a lot of people, um, you know, I don't want to be seen as like, I'm medicalizing the trans experience, but it's like, I could medicalize my own trans experience. Cause for myself, it very much, I like, I have like phantom penis syndrome. Like I'm not, not joking. It's a real thing. I feel something that is not there. Um, like I feel like pleasure and pain on a part of my body. That's not there. I don't know how to, and it makes, I like, I get it because anatomically they're made of the same tissues. I have that tissue. Um, reminds me I have to do my shot because I'm like it grew when I was on testosterone and I also realized I'm like I didn't do my shot yet today um but yeah it's uh I I do see it for myself personally as like I definitely feel like I'm missing uh, a limb down there so I mean I've never thought of that what that, that in connected to disability but the more and more you were talking about it I was like I wonder if he feels 
like phantom pains around it. Now I know you do. And so that's kind of cool because not that I've ever experienced a limb loss, but I have friends who have limb loss. And I also like, I know a lot of trans porn stars who do trans porn and I've, I've, you know, watched them on their channels talk about like, you know, the prosthetic and the process and like how it makes them feel more connected to their body. And I just was wondering how, how your disability played into all that. Yeah. I, I didn't like, I'm like, I don't want to speak over people who have limb loss. Cause I'm like, I feel like it's cause like, I have my trans dick, if that makes sense, where it's like, you know, the anatomy that I have grew, but it's just, there's a, there's an extension to that that feels missing where I have sensation that when I use the prosthetic, it's as if it has somewhere to go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but that's that's what it is. It's like there's this part where my brain is sending signals that doesn't otherwise respond. But then when I put on the prosthetic, it's there's a back and forth between me and it. And it's uh, it's very therapeutic physically and mentally. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I never would have really guessed that because when I... Like when I see a prosthetic in like a porn video or in like a, in like someone's OnlyFans thing, I'm like, oh yeah, to me, it's just prosthetic. But now knowing that like there might be a whole other connection we're not aware of is really cool. I don't know if everyone feels like, I'm, I'm sure it's different for others. Some people don't like prosthetics at all. So I'm like, I don't want to speak over anyone else's experience. It's just my yeah, own. Yeah, I know, of course. Yeah. Um, as for how it interacts with my disability, um, in a couple of ways, like I, I, it interacts with executive dysfunction for sure, because again, it's very um, almost procedural where it's like, again, I have to find that prosthetic and then I have to find the harness that goes with that prosthetic. And like, there's a, you know, I clean it before and after I use it and I have to remember to, you know, store it properly after. And so that you, know, you have to powder it so that the skin doesn't get like super tacky when you, when you store it, or at least I yeah. do, I don't know, I, I baby my, I baby my penis. So um <laughs> just tuck him into bed uh so yeah that's hard when i'm like really low on mental energy and i'm having trouble um executing tasks and breaking down processes which happens a lot at the end of the day especially so in that aspect it's hard because i'm like i really want to but i'm i'm in the negatives here in terms of energy so um so is there a better time for you given your disability to access your penis and to like play with that Yes, actually, I'm more of a daytime uh, intimate person. Nighttime is the worst for me because I'm like, this is the only time where I could eat. I and I once I eat, I'm like, I can't do any sort of physical activity because I'm going to, you know, with gastroparesis, I I tend to vomit a lot because I can't hold food down. And as soon as my body needs to allocate blood to my muscles, it decides that my stomach is going to eject whatever it's holding. So, yeah, no, sex at night is not the best for me. So, yeah. There were so many things there that my brain is like, I don't know where to go now. There's a lot there. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. But I love it. It's all great. Let's talk a little bit about a little bit more about your um your kind of self-pleasure. Cause you know, I don't know if you've seen, but my sister and I have started a sex toy company all about yeah. just disabled self-pleasure. Handy. And and it's we're really excited about it. And so I would love to hear your experience with self-pleasure as somebody with EDS and who's trans. So I, I actually stumbled upon, um, your, your, um, the company that you're, you're starting at uh, handy. Um, 
I was super excited about it because there are not products that are, you know, wrist subluxations are quite a problem in terms of self-pleasure. Um, you know, other subluxations are also a problem, but the wrist particularly is difficult because there's a lot of, I don't know, twisting and maneuvering involved in reaching, you know, your nether regions. So it's just, I just, I, it never even dawned on me that that could be a thing. Uh, and so I it never didn't really dawn on us either. We all were like, oh, like when, when, when we got responses from people back, after we did our initial research, like 92% of the people we talked to were like, yeah, we want this too. And 63% of the people we talked to said, yeah, I have trouble like masturbating. So like we were floored by how many people were like, yeah, this is an issue. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I need to prioritize my hands for like work for like studio projects and stuff like that. Like I already have such a limited, um, like limited mobility, I guess, in my hands and wrists. And so I have to like prioritize that for, school and work I guess so it would just be cool to have something that I could use and that I could keep like a wrist brace on well I you know like something that was just designed consciously for that I don't have to adapt to it it is adapted to me if that makes sense well with our toy I mean it we've been kind of saying it in the press as a it looks like a pool noodle and a body pillow had a baby um and so the hope is that it will be something you can use to self-pleasure but what is self-pleasure for you like now? I don't understand the question. I'm sorry. Could you elaborate? Yeah. Like, so you want something that'll work for you because there's all that twisting moving in your wrist. Mm. So if you were to self-pleasure now without all that, is it just really hard, painful? Yeah. Um, this is one of those, like, it feels almost unbelievable because when I tell people, they don't believe me. I cannot remember the last time uh, that I self-pleasured so i tend to Me just too. okay cool i'm like it's not a very common uh occurrence <laughs> yeah me neither so i get you like 100 i'm like yeah me too i don't even know the last time i i don't know yeah that's it i'm kind of just like you know even like my partner and i are intimate very often you know so it's uh i'm just not i don't when we are that's when i'm like cool i i did the you know like i i get to have that experience but uh, otherwise like on my own I'm like I don't I don't have like the time or energy and it, it also just tends to not occur to me very often um I don't know if that's because of the lack of sexual attraction I guess like I don't know if that's the thing that triggers it for other people to like like are there cues for masturbating <laughs> like I don't I don't always know um how that I mean when I, you know as a gay cis man unfortunately I don't really think there are cues like everything that I see in gay cis male porn it's like i'm gonna whip my dick out whenever i want and i'm gonna just jerk it off and then there you go like i don't i don't think they're accused but it feel it does feel like as somebody who and i have a really high sex drive all the time so i'm, I'm the opposite of you I have, a, I have a really high sex drive as somebody who wants to fuck all the time and can't it's really frustrating to see like my peers whip out their junk whenever they want and just start like going at it it's like, well I, I can't do that i mean that's i have such like profound envy about that that exact experience that you've described because i'm like i get that i I could have a a process but that's like like imagine having to like you're looking for your fine china in the cabinets like that i can't just whip it out if the you know the the mood strikes somehow and i want to be intimate with my partner it's like hold that thought and i have to go look for it it's like there is no there yeah see while you're looking for it i'm calling my attendant being like hey so i want to go in bed can you help me uh set up for a jerk like so we're having the same issue with different problems like i have to call my person to get me in bed and you have to like search for hours for your breath like it's 
that's it and there's like it's there is a level of um assistance involved because the whole preparatory work i'll end up needing help so it's that's been really frustrating for me and that's one that's kind of progressed more um and it's more it's more of a novel experience that i'm trying to you know get used to i guess where it's like not only do I have to excuse myself from my partner and be like, I need to prepare for this. I also need you to come with me and help me prepare for this. You then... should say, I need to penis pair for this. Oh. To, to pee pair for this? I'm trying to, I was trying to make a joke. There's, be... there's a pun there. There's definitely. Yeah, there's a sex pun in there for sure. To pee pair for this? I don't know. We're, we're getting close. We're... <laughs> to peen pair for this? Excuse me. I, need you to... I think peen pair. I think that's. I think that that's a pretty effective one. I think that might work. <laughs> I might, I might, uh, I might try that one out. Yeah, you're welcome to try it and see if it goes anywhere. Um, tell me a little bit about you mentioned in, in your form a little bit about how being asexual you felt kind of guilty about that too because so many disabled people have had to like fight to prove they're not asexual. So how yeah. do you, as an asexual disabled person, how do you talk about that with other disabled people? So this is where I this fall back into the guilt, uh, where I feel I feel guilty once again. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of um, we've been very desexualized, and so we have to constantly fight to be back in these spaces and to be, you know, I don't even know how to explain. Um, but it's it's been hard for me it, as as some parts of me have become more comfortable and I've become more open about like my disability. Other parts have kind of retreated so it's like asexuality kind of takes a back seat in some of my conversations because um i've gotten quite a bit of this sort of like don't talk about being asexual and being autistic or don't talk about being asexual and being disabled because everyone already thinks that we don't feel sexual attraction so don't reinforce that idea i'm like okay noted however <laughs> yeah yeah we're not it's not a monolith so everyone's here to four like therefore I'm, i have you have to be able to talk about your own stuff yeah, I'm like, I feel like it's definitely misdirected because it's like, mm, that would mean, you know, the problem there is not me being asexual. The problem there is ableism. Um, yeah, and I think so. it's kind of gross that disabled people would tell you not to talk about your asexuality because it feeds into the idea that we're all asexual. That's not fair because you are asexual, so that's fine. It, it, Intercommunity feuding has always confused me. Oh man, so. I have so many feelings and talk about tangents. Let's go up in a big one right now. Yeah. I the disabled community is not a friendly place. No. I'm in it. I, I work in it. I I you know, I'm a part of it, but oh my god, do I hate it? Do I hate it? I am a I'm afraid to put anything online ever because I'm like someone's going to tell me how wrong I am. But like at the same time, it's what I do for a job. It's to give my opinions on disabled things but you're so afraid to make a point because someone's going to tear you down. That's the, there's been, um, it's hard. What I've particularly had trouble with is um, conflicting access needs. So this idea that if I can't perform something to make something more accessible to someone else, then it's um, like, it's ableist, but it's also ableist to tell me that I can't, it's not like I'm like, if I'm tweeting, let's say, and like there, I have trouble, as I said before, I have trouble thinking in words. My brain doesn't, think that way and so if twitter, finite... had, if twitter had like a musical option where you could put the words you are f or put the feelings you were feeling into like some part of the app that could turn it into words would that be good for you if twitter had a telepathic option that would be prime that'd be peak 
Um, Come on, Twitter people. <laughs> Anyone listening at Twitter, make that happen. It's 2021. It Come with on. the program, Twitter. Come on. Uh, make it accessible to me. Develop telepathy. But, um, <laughs> it went telepathy. I mean, it's a thing. They could totally brand it. It's great. They can do it. We have the technology. We sent someone to the moon once. I don't know. Um, but it's I like I have trouble with um, image descriptions. I like between sensory processing disorder and like uh, difficulty. So do I. I have that's. I want to talk about that for like, ten years. I have such trouble with that because I and you know I know I'm supposed to and I know like for this podcast, for instance, the people listening right now will be listening and they probably know that it's not transcribed. Guess why? Because it's really expensive. One. Two, it takes a lot of time for my brain to figure out how to do all that. And it would just be easier if I just put it up and you figure it out yourself. Like, but then people come at you and be like, well, where's the transcript? It's like, well, well but I, I recorded the show and I did the thing and I like, I did all the rest of it. I don't want to do it. I can't do it anymore. I, I try my best. It's like, I try, I, I try to get my most recent videos transcribed. So I only upload like I like save up the money to pay for the trip. Like it's a real, it's a real process. Um, and it's cause I, like, I, I have, I want people to be able to watch my videos, you know? Um, it's just sometimes like, I can't always do all of it. And that's, it's hard when the disabled community is being ableist under the guise that they're, that you're ableist, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely understand that. And it, like this is why most of the people that you, some of the people that you mentioned just now, I don't talk to anymore on social media because I'm just like, we don't, we're not gonna, we don't see, like, we can't talk because every time we talk, we fight. So like yeah, my thing on social media as a disabled person is to put up my thought and then and, and then slowly back away from whatever it is that I just tweeted. Be like, oh, there, I, I thought it, there it is. Great, bye. Like I'm gonna run away now. Yeah, um, I'm trying to, Um, I try to always um alt text and image descriptions but they're they're very that and transcribing both of those are really hard like with the visual stuff it's like i know i took the picture but i don't always know how to if i take a picture of my desk now i don't know how to find the words to describe what i'm looking at all the time and i yep. additionally have trouble entirely describing what like i have trouble processing visual i i need image descriptions and and, tra- and 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 captions myself so it's so hard to do them if that makes sense so but it's not to complain it's more like I'll try to save no, my I'll complain. It is hard like, to do them. Period. The end. Um, I mean, I, I try to save them for when I could, but sometimes it's like now I've been posting a lot of images and I'm like, I'm, I'm in over my head in terms of what I could, what I, I don't want to stop myself from posting and isolate myself more because I'm yeah. not able to. So sometimes I'll just like, I can't do it right now. I'll go back maybe the next day and add a tweet, but I'm trying to be forgiving and accessible with myself. You know, like I'm trying not to. The hard part about that is, and I, and I feel you and I get that 100%, but the rest of the community doesn't do that for us. And it's like, it's like, I know you all want to be like rabid activists on this forum, but can we like, can we go back to like trying to love each other for one second? Yeah, we need nuance. That's the thing. That's, it's the lack of nuance that really, this is where the inter-community fighting, I don't understand. It's like, it's not, it's not out of spite and to like, to anyway, this it's, like I, I love, like, I'll put it this that. way. I love disabled people. I love them and I think they're great. And I love disabled activists and I love what they do. But I'll be really honest. I hate, hate the disabled community. Like to a point that makes me want to cry. Cause I'm like, I love what you're doing, but I hate all this crap. I just, I wish there was a lot more um, kindness, I guess. And less, I don't like that. Um, I feel like some 
language is weaponized and that that's what yeah. i don't like where it's like you're using like basically like social justice language to justify something you're saying and i don't always have the like it i'm it takes me a long time but i'm i'm able to phrase things in a way where i'm really proud of like how clear it is but it take, it's hard it's really tough for me so i get frustrated because i don't always even have the words to explain why what they're doing is so hurtful um yeah. and and now i've understood i'm like it's because they use this language to position it as if it's not like as if they're and, helping a community when really they're just tearing us apart yeah from and as if your access your access barriers are some sort of moral failing where it's like yeah. because i i literally physically couldn't do this thing that i have morally failed my community but i'm like i and then and then the shunning they're like well you don't you don't have to post so if you can't make it accessible don't post it's like but i'm and not it's like well yes you do posting is how we yeah, Posting I'm isolated. We connect. Like, like I'm already isolated. Like, like people don't get that. And like you've just given me seven tweets that I want to make right afterward. I'm recording this because I have all these feelings now. But yeah, you know, it's like it's just so it's it's I, I wish it weren't like that. And it makes me frustrated. And then I get really uh, I feel deflated, not even defeated, deflated about it because I feel <laughs> like I don't even know how to articulate how, you know, it's just it's just not good. It's I, I don't think it should ever be an acceptable answer. It's that that energy should be channeled toward you know big corporations that have resources yeah. that it's like don't post if you're not going to be accessible don't make this event if you won't be accessible but when you're talking about like the average it, person that just is yeah dying, and like, i would that, say the same to you know, like non-disabled people like my sister and i are working on this project together she's not disabled and we have a team of people behind us that are helping us do stuff that are not disabled and what i love about working with them is that they don't always know and so i loved kind of holding their hand and taking them through and saying, let me show you. And once they realize, they go, oh, I get it now. Let me like, let's, let me do my best to make it as accessible as possible. But before they had no clue. And so it would be really shitty of me to be like, what do you mean you don't know? How dare you not know? Like, if I can show you, like, if I can guide you, why wouldn't I? It's like, I I wouldn't want to put that on anyone else. So I'm like, it's cool if you don't want to do that or if you don't like i i i get it but it's also like it's okay that some people do want to do that you know like it's okay for people who do want to do the hand holding and like i just yeah it, it's the shunning part that i can't i'm like i i'm not into shunning like i it's so i don't even know where to start there's so much of it that's like like people sending dms like i don't know if you know that you follow this person and i'm like i didn't know but i don't know if you know that i think it's a little problematic that people think micromanaging who others follow like oh you know, yeah like, I, know. I get that it's like okay if this person's problematic cool thank you for telling me but sometimes it's like i don't know this like someone could tweet something and they're disabled themselves and um someone else will like you get like someone's going to pro- problem problem pro- problematize mm, problematize everything yeah yes sorry sometimes the word gets stuck in my mouth um you can make a joke about I that. Really, I really <laughs> want to make a joke about the other things that, I, that could get stuck in your mouth. But I won't. Slash, I did already. Good thing we didn't make that joke, everyone at home. Yeah, good <laughs> thing. Um, I want to go back to sex for a minute because I just looked at the bottom of your form and you said something really cool that I just saw when, I was, when you were talking. Yeah, sure. Tell me the difference for you between kink and fetishist eye. I can't say it. That's the yeah. word. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, a kink is something that everyone is part everyone who wants to be is participating in uh, equally. Whereas a fetishization is that there's one group or one person being objectified 
um, and it feels non-consensual. Like I, someone could fetishize me, and I like I didn't. I don't want. I, that I wasn't nothing. participating in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I didn't. I don't want to be objectified. I want to be a, an equal participant in this. Whereas like kinks are, you know, everyone is electing to engage in this thing. Um, excuse me. Sorry. There's also usually like a power dynamic involved in fetishization that again, it, there could be power dynamics people engage in uh, voluntarily, but um, it's a, a different, it's more of like a, um, a social power dynamic where someone yep. is, they're, they're kind of like punching down They're you know, typically it'll be someone who has oppressive power over another group and to sexualize that group. It, it's just, it's, it's another form of marginalizing that I, I just, I don't, I do not enjoy. So what are your, now that, now that we, I know the distinction because I didn't understand the distinction before and I totally do, um, which means I'm totally against fetishization and I'm all for kinks now that I understand that, like if I'm going to use your example, which makes perfect sense to me now. I have, I'm having a light bulb moment of like, oh, I never realized because I used to say in a lot of podcasts on this show and on other shows, I've said like, oh yeah, I'm totally for being fetishized because I think, you know, disability is really cool. And now what I can say is actually I'm just a kinky, a kinky cripple and I'm here for that. So yeah, like fetish is usually used to describe um, in, in what I understand to describe an object. So you could have, uh, or, or like sometimes it's a butt, like I've heard people like, like someone, you could have like a, like a hand fetish, but I'll, I've heard, I've seen people lean more toward kink now, but yeah. it's, it, you know, usually used when someone has a, uh, like a, sexual i guess engagement with an object or like something like that so it's when it's used on people that's when i'm like e no um that it you know it's uh kind of like how you could definitely find uh you know if you go on like a, a porn website you're going you could find porn with disabled people in it but it's not there's there's a dynamic there it's yeah. you know, they're they're being used as an as an object for the viewer it's not something that's it's it's um it's not a participatory thing. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not about us. It's very without us. If I could take that saying and spin it here, um, you, you know, did. it's okay, great, perfect. Um, so that's the thing. It's like it's I want to know like how many how many disabled people are involved in the porn industry where they have they're in a position of power where they could. You get what I'm saying? Where it's not just like being tokenized for an able-bodied viewer. Well, I don't um, know if you know, but I've done some porn. Uh, so so you'll be pleased to know that there's one disabled person that's trying to change the game. Actually, I know a few people that do OnlyFans and do like just for fans and have like pay accounts that they can um that they go on to to make money. So so yeah. in the indie scene, disability is a lot more accepted in porn in like the big market scene, not so much. That's it. And that's the that's kind of the distinction that I'm thinking of. And that's where I'm like, we're uh, typically excluded from one of these spaces more often. So like, if you look at, um, you know, there are a lot of kink communities, but it feels from what I've gathered that sometimes um, disabled people kind of have to claw their way in there where it's similarly to in the um, LGBT community, it pride events are notoriously, at least in my city, super inaccessible. All the gay bars, for some reason, are either in a basement or on the top of a building. Yeah, same here in Toronto, <laughs> same thing. Yep, 100%. why is that? And they never have elevators. I don't like what. 
I'm not to say that I necessarily want to go into your event space because I'm awkward and shy and I don't like loud noises and I don't yeah. like lights <laughs> and I want to be home and watching Netflix and probably just jerk you off and then you can leave. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I want the option to maybe think about maybe going in there one time. It's about being welcomed into a space as opposed to being kept out of it. That's the that that's where I see, you know, a lot of kink spaces are similar to that, where it's like you I, like I I know. You know, it's hard for me to talk about because I'm not like I don't really engage in any of it, but I do, you know, I, I have friends. It's okay. But you get what I'm saying. I do have a lot of friends who were like I had a friend who would go to, I don't know what the word would be for it, but like you have a little card and you go there and you engage like in like a munch. You know, might be a word like that. Don't know. Like um, a like a I know what it is. Like it's a BDSM thing. But yeah, I, like a munch. Like a word a, for it. Like a dungeon. Go. Yes, thank you. Um, yes, that it was exactly that it was a dungeon. So um but the thing is, if you actually go there, again, there's no elevator. Um, so just right off the bat, it's like, okay, so what does everyone who engages in this kink in this place have in common? They could all use the stairs. That shouldn't be something you have in common just because you share this kink. You get what I'm saying? It's like, why do those have to be common ground? So it's yeah. just about why don't we talk about accessibility in these spaces? Um, but meanwhile, why are why not people... supposed to be sexualized period the end? But then there's the part where disabled people are often fetishized. And that's where I'm like, I don't understand. It's so like, there's such a cognitive. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a huge, you're right. There's a huge cognitive dissonance that I didn't think about until you said it right now. Like, why haven't you written a thread of tweets about this? Can you write a thread of tweets? Can we write a thread of tweets about this? We could certainly try. This is the, I feel like I have, this is where I'm like, it takes me so long to try and put things into words. Okay. Well, I'm good at words. You're good at thoughts. We should talk about doing like a joint tweet thing or something. Yeah, I'm here, totally. I'm here for that. Um, do you have any disabled kinks? Not necessarily sexual, just like I don't have any kinks in general. Um, and that's not I, which is a shame because I'm very kink positive and very. So I I don't like saying that I have none because I feel like again nobody believes me. But um, I don't have one. I'm really trying to find one. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to find trying to find I mean... my niche. Um, <laughs> but I I guess I don't know if it. I know some asexual people do have kinks, so I don't know if it's just like I always thought maybe it was because I was asexual. So I don't really know why. <laughs> um, for myself, it always felt tied together that I'm like I don't experience sexual attraction, so I guess that's why this. But then some people don't feel sexual attraction and still have kinks, so I don't know. What kind of fetishization do you hate the most? Oh, as a disabled uh, person and a trans person, all the persons. Oh. Oh boy, as a trans person, it's definitely just like I'm I'm a, a genital. That's it. <laughs> That's all I am. I'm, I'm this like obscure variant of a genital that they want to engage with. And I'm like, and please oh. don't. Like like I'm a rare cat breed or something, pun intended. So supposed <laughs> to cat. Okay. So yeah, um, no, I got it. I was I was there with you. Yeah, I was right there with you. Great. Uh, nothing better than spelling out the joke to really kill it. Um, P-U-S-S-Y. There you go. <laughs> Um, so that's that's a, as a trans person, I hate that one where they're just like, yeah, don't don't enjoy that. Um, as a disabled person, it's definitely the um, as if I am, I and my mobility aids are the, are one in the same, and so it, that one frustrates me in a hurtful way because I'm like, you know what? I wish I I want disability and mobility aids to be part of the intimate experience, but not in a way where it's like, I could leave and you could fully have sex with this chair and you'd be just as happy. That's where I'm like, maybe don't. Uh, like, I don't like when when that happens, when it's like, I'm just seen as this fun, 
quirky experience where it doesn't matter if I'm a person involved or not. Um, yeah. Where I'm kind of just like a sex toy. I'm like, I don't like, it's okay if I wanted to engage in that, but I don't. And I don't like that. It's constantly kind of pushed onto, onto you. me. Yeah. So um, you're also a pretty, a pretty um, notable content creator in the, in the content space. Thanks. At least that's how I stumbled on you. I don't know how I stumbled on you like years ago, but I did. And I was like, oh, he's, you know, doing the things. And like, you like you know, you had a, a couple of teacher campaigns. You're kind of a big deal. And so like, Thanks. I don't know, I follow you and I support your, your stuff because you're cool. But I'm wondering how your disabilities impact your kind of creation as a content creator and how does this, all that play out? So um, there are notably less videos from me. I, that's, that's one. Um, it's harder for me to uh, make content it's it's really um sorry my stomach is really doing a thin well, um, i have ibs so i totally feel you there i know what that's like yeah it's just sort of this like I, it hurts uh but yeah i've i've had trouble um i have to really choose pick and choose what i could do in the day and when i make videos i have to entirely do just that because there's the like filming and then editing but also getting ready for filming then like I don't I don't know and so it's just it's um because I'm in school now I've had more trouble making videos but I was already struggling to begin with so that's that's frustrating I wish I could have a whole production team um and I could just film the video and wouldn't it be great it. like I, I would people have told me to do YouTube and I'm like do you know how hard it is for me to fucking do the podcast I'm doing right now like that in itself the whole like how do you and now you want me to add video to this no what it's really tough that's that's been the the annoying part and now like i've had to rearrange in this room i used to have a, my filming setup and now that i've been in my house more and i've needed my wheelchair more as well i had to get rid of my filming setup so that i have room to use my chair and get from in and out because it was just it was too much to have in the way yeah. so it's kind of like i don't even know where like i would just like film like here which ironically is in front of a treadmill which is like what it's um, taunting is me. that what that is <laughs> yeah, i live with I, my girlfriend she runs and walks and oh i put my art material on it because so. well, i saw it and i was like i know that's a treadmill but i don't know why it's there right it's it's kind of it's dramatic irony um yeah, yeah. no it's, it's my, my partner lives here too so that's that's her thing and it doesn't it's not like it's it's on the way there's definitely room for me to still move back and forth with my what chairs. kind of what kind of chair do you have um it looks like a manual chair and i move it almost like a manual chair but it the we, the wheels are motorized so oh cool um, so it's like one of those like easy wheeling ones that is like really really lightweight yeah it's it's lightweight it um the the wheels are called twion wheels so it has sensors in the hand grips and so i kind of i don't even need to push i just need to it looks almost like a pushing motion but i'm just directing them toward where i want them to go oh nice um i like it because it's um I could fit it in my car better than uh, than a power chair or even a manual chair. Yeah, I couldn't fit a power chair in my car, and I couldn't fit the fixed frame manual chairs in my car. Yeah. Um, so I got one that I could fold, and that has, and the wheels detach with like a. You literally press a button, and that's it. It's off. You just move it. So nice. It's a better option for me. Yeah. Well, this was a really fun interview, and we went off on like seventy-five tangents and didn't didn't answer half the questions, but then answered five more that I didn't know I was going to have. So, I love sitting now with you. I had the most fun today. Um, Aaron, how can the people that are listening, if they want to follow more of your journey and talk to you more about all the things, how can they get a hold of you? 
Uh, they could uh, follow me on Twitter if they like. My Twitter is at Aaron Linguini with an I at the end because uh, my last name is Ann Sweeney. That's a joke. So anyway, uh, or you could uh, look me up on YouTube, Aaron Ann Sweeney, or uh, Instagram, Aaron is a houseplant. Those are, those are the social medias. Amazing. And do you have any final words for the listeners today? Uh, sorry. No, shit. I always feel this need to apologize. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> which, which is probably extra hard given that you're Canadian and you have disabilities. I'm sure there's a lot of... Oh, you add Italian Catholic guilt in there, it's over. It's just oh, one, wow. big, one big apology. <laughs> well, listen, as a Jewish Canadian queer person, like there's so much apologizing in my house too. I say sorry before I even have a thought. Sorry, sorry, I thought that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah totally but i guess i guess my message would be uh thank you for listening and uh, i don't know, hope you have a nice day you should also do a podcast because you have a very like i used to voice. have one i had one um oh yeah that's right you did for a while i can't remember what it was but you did with your yeah. roommate right no with that it, it ended up being a really bad situation that person was abusing me for like years and so i uh, oh, no. got rid of the podcast and took those videos down now i have a different podcast with another friend who's totally rad um it's called my favorite podcast so that even if you don't like it you still have to call it my favorite podcast so it, i hate Amazing. that podcast which one my favorite podcast mm, that sounds confusing <laughs> um but we we, <laughs> we just we haven't uploaded a um a podcast in a while but thank you i appreciate you saying that i love well if you need to reinvigorate it or want to have a place to put it, I have a network now. So let me know Ooh. if that's something you want to do. I would love that. Uh, we will talk yeah. after I press off. But but Aaron Linguini and Sweeney. And Sweeney, um, and Sweeney Linguini. All the things. Pasta, Aaron Pasta. Um, <laughs> I'm a nerd. This was fun. <laughs> I had such a good time. Thank you for finally sitting down with me today. Um Thank Despite you all of your disability things that were happening to you as they were happening. And how much water did you get through? We talked at the beginning about all the water you had there. Did you? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to measure on this thing quite quite a bit. That like I like 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 this. It doesn't look like a lot, but like that. Yeah, it was full before. All right. Well, yeah. that's I like that. All right. I, I support that. It's good that you drank water and talked to us. Um this was fun and thank you for going off on all the tangents with me and just playing and being a goof and coming on for a, a fun episode but um this was great and we'll talk to you soon thank you for having me take care bye all right that was another episode of disability after dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories a part of the wheels on the ground network i'm really really happy you came to this one if you want to follow my work you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at, at Drew Gerza. So Instagram and Twitter at Drew Gerza. You can also follow the podcast at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show. And we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.
copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021